Welcome, everybody, to today's chat. We're going to be talking with Aaron from Bit Branding. Uh, he's gone through the Facebook Ads MBA program. He's a really smart guy. They got a really great agency that serves a really cool niche. And honestly, it's been a real big pleasure to work with him. So we're going to bring him up in just a second. But hey, if you're watching this, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe, ask questions. We'll try to address all of those in the live as we can. Um, also, if you like Aaron, we'll definitely make sure to drop his socials. And you can chat with him. But without any further ado, Aaron from Bit Branding. Uh, how are you, my man? Hey, my typical response is way above average. So we'll go with that. I like it. I like it. That's fantastic. So, um, why don't we get into this in, in just a quick second, but I just want to say, uh, Aaron, you and I have been, you know, chatting a lot now for a few months. You went to the program. We were chatting a lot in the DMS before that as well. It's mm -hmm. been a lot of fun to work with, uh, you and your team, um, with that being said, I think just the first thing I'd love to know is just, hey, introduce yourself and what is Bit Branding all about and what are you guys doing over there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, first off, I just want to say, yeah, thank you. You've been a huge help for uh, for us for a long time uh, guidance. I think we met actually in Clubhouse and then I think that was really like January of 2020 or somewhere around that point um, that I first started like interacting with you. And then, yeah, I was the, the crazy person in the DMs before way before a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so what we do is uh, we, we focus on growing clothing stores. So our specific area uh, of expertise is um, taking clothing stores. We have basically two ways that we do that to help them get their, to their first quarter million, half million dollar a year business um, through a program. And then we have a, like a done for you type service for agency owners that are doing like millions of dollars or uh, per month. And so but we are all focused in on one very specific area and that is clothing stores. Um, and so that's who we serve and that's uh, what we know really well. We try to stay within our lane of that point um, and, and help with the marketing aspect of that part of the, the business. I, I love that. And, and, and for some, I love that you're trying to get into that scope and really narrow into that niche. I'm curious, like what has that been like for you in that, in that world, like, what was it like? I mean, when you guys started, obviously, there was probably taking on a lot of stuff, and then you really found what you're best at. But what has the last, like, I don't know, year and a half, two years really been like for you in that specific niche? Because that is, has a lot of its own problems. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we did. We served a lot of different people, like I think both agencies at this point. So we're getting ready to have um, January will be, or February will be like seven years uh, that we've been in business. So we served quite a few people and quite a few different uh, capacities. Um, however, uh, we really like made the decision. We worked with clothing stores before, but we made the decision like to go exclusively e-commerce in December of 2020 and then go all in on clothing stores. But there's been ups and downs, but honestly, I feel like we have a better grasp of it now, even though there's so much fluctuation because we're in it every single day, right? Um, if, if a CEO steps down of a major you know, company that software that clothing stores are using, i.e. today, right, then we, we know about it. And we're able to kind of pivot and see things ahead of time versus like, trying to be a jack of all trades, you you miss a lot of things. So there is a lot of fluctuation. It's a little crazy. There's expectations that are, you know, the people have touted online forever. And 2021 was just literally the anomaly of the internet. And so they base numbers off of that. Um, so we've had to ha come back that and just kind of go back to, to real data. Um, and you've helped a lot with that of just also just being realistic with our clients and then ourselves. But 
I think because we've narrowed in on a specific audience, we could talk the language to them and they felt comfortable um, and trusted us. And we actually did know what we were talking about. So it just, it's a, it's a sphere of influence for not only our internal team, but people externally as well, just to build that trust. Yeah. I think that that specialization is something that is a luxury that you, that you get to. And I think that it's such Mm -hmm. a great place to eventually find like, I always tell people, would you rather be the brain surgeon who's needed and gets paid a lot or probably work a little bit harder and be like the person in the ER that has to do everything, you know, Mm -hmm. like one of those pays better and is a lot less stressful. And that like that dichotomy exists throughout everywhere. I'm curious, how did you all find yourself in the space of like clothing retailer and like boutique shops and all of that? Because that is a that is a unique uh, a niche to really dive into. And to be fair, you're crushing it in that spot. How did you get there? Yeah, our very first client was um, our my English teacher from eighth grade. And she was a retired teacher and then launched a boutique, had no clue what she was doing. She's very good at like um, putting together outfits for women. And then we just helped her grow that. And we were looking back at it, it as like, what do we actually enjoy doing when we're serving people? It's like, you know, we want to have them have results, see results. Um, and then the impact that they can have, but also what do we enjoy doing, right? And then how can we see like real feedback from our clients as well, which is where like the Shopify and like the the instant sales come in um, versus like a lead generation, right? Where that's, we have to rely on a sales team that isn't necessarily anything to do with the marketing. So we look back at our, like the clients we enjoyed the most, that were the, less he- the least headache and then had the most success. And we like started to really think about it and said, okay, these people actually are the ones that we can serve, we can make an impact with, and that we actually enjoy doing. So it was like a, it was that Venn diagram of like, what are you really good at? What do you like doing? And then where's the client results? And then we just put those together and that's really how they came, came about. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Cause I think everybody's got a bright idea until they go out into the world. Right. And I mm-hmm. love that you guys were really able to find that space. I'm curious, like, you, you and I started chatting, I think, yeah, on Clubhouse, like forever ago. And for those, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I feel like that was another, that was another lifetime ago that mm-hmm. like the Clubhouse rooms are just hot fire for like a good, a good bit. I know some people are still like real all about it. I mean, cool. It found, it found its, you know, water finds its level. Uh, that being said, like, what were some of the struggles that you were having at that place? And, and, and what has it been like to kind of grow and solve some of those problems? Like, oh, you know, over the last year or so yeah i i think the the biggest difference for us was like as we started to scale um in our ad spend whenever things started to drop off right it's like we used to go after interest targeting or even like a lookalike audience or behavioral which still did really well but once we got to a certain level of spin like there was diminishing returns and we just couldn't um crack the code on like why is it that we can't outspend this problem and our creative was decent um but it just we had exhausted audiences um and then with the you know the boutique world is a very unique world in general right so we work with all types of clothing stores but the boutique world it's very fast fashion um for most people and so the items sell out before the platform ends up learning how to to understand your audience or if it doesn't understand the audience that that product has now been sold out for a very long period of time and so the client gets upset because they're like hey wait this dress that you're talking about here that you know a million people want is no longer available because we didn't buy very deep in it so 
it was a it was a supply chain issue mixed with like data from Facebook, and then how do we find a, the right combination to be able to scale long term and keep ads running that are still profitable without running into you know varying degrees of fluctuation with the budget or with bids or anything like that. Yeah, I'm curious with that. Like, I mean, I feel like I've got a pretty good answer on that, but I feel like would you be willing to share sort of like high in this? uh like what have you done to really kind of combat that issue of i'm running ads where this product is going to sell out but i still have to promote the store like mm -hmm. what is that execution actually looking like for you especially in this boutique space because it's not just boutique clothing it's also drop a business is the work on the drop model there's, mm -hmm. there's so many things you know people can apply it to black friday and reducing inventory i think that lesson is tremendously uh and universally applicable yeah. So what we've done is we've also trained. So one facet is we've trained the people that we work with to um, as we begin testing. Right. So we use dynamic creative as is testing. And so multiple different um, assets of creative what works. Um, and then once we find like what works as far as creative and we believe that. Right. And this is still a you know educated forecast or guess we buy deeper in a certain area. And so there is more stock of something. Not everybody has that luxury, but that is what we suggest for that period. Um, and then we sell by category. So you may be interested in athleisure. Well, this piece of athleisure may not work for you, but we do have a whole line of athleisure and we send it to an athleisure page. And we just always have categories that are in stock. Um, the other thing that I think has really been helpful is we also use a lot of images or videos that are more evergreen. It's promoting the brand. It's promoting a lifestyle. It's promoting a culture. It's why you should engage with this company versus an individual product, right? So DPA ads or display ads, like they work and they'll definitely get somebody to purchase, but we're looking to a small, as a smaller business, we're looking to get people to buy into the human behind the brand. And so evergreen content or lifestyle or collection type shoots or where it's like a when i say collection i guess is very jargony um a whole category of clothing is promoted like we have a client who just did like a fort worth at fall right so it's texas fort worth and it's fall and that's their collection that they dropped and so it's a whole line right there's 20 to 50 different pieces that are dropped there and five or six different videos that promote the whole line. And it's just a lot of different variations. So it sends people to one page, lets Facebook learn, um, gets the people interested in the brand. And then it's just also engaging content. I think that's, that's tremendous. And, and, and I think far too many people, you know, one of the issues is folks try to focus on selling one product or one thing. And, and believe me, I'm a big fan of the hero product. I tell people that's, that's absolutely, but the hero product can also be the collection. Like it can mm -hmm. be the suite of, of products that are being sold. It doesn't necessarily have to be the single item that you're trying to push. And, and I think some folks make the mistake of trying to push a million things, a million SKUs within a collection. Mm -hmm. But I love the idea of saying either we're going to push the number one item or we're going to push the whole thing. You're not really playing in that middle ground. And then the use of dynamic ads, both with dynamic creatives and DPA to really cover that gap, because I mean, that's what they're there for. I think, you know, I'm curious, like what has been the impact for you to kind of lean into those dynamic ads versus the way that you were doing it before? Like what are dynamic ads doing for you these days? Uh, more than anything, it's just saving a lot of time and a lot of guesswork, right? Because 
one thing that we don't have right now is as much data. And even though we're um, very big fans of triple whale and we also use um, a lot of the stuff that you teach in the, in the program, right. We have a spreadsheet and, and we work off of that. It's not a hundred percent, right. It, it gets us very close on things, but what Facebook does tell us and gives us an idea is like, Hey, look, this, this data that we have here, the data that's shown on triple whale through our spreadsheets. And then also what Facebook has chosen right now, we have like basically three different circles, this Venn diagram of, okay, this ad is actually a winner versus relying only on the platform. But it's also saved a lot of time for us to go back and forth and like create so many different ads. Right. So before we were using dynamic creative before uh, the iOS 14 update, we were putting like eight or nine creatives in there and it was pumping it out. And so we would get hundreds of variations of ads. Um, now we're not doing that as much. We're using a lot less more. So three types of creative, but it's still speeding up the process to, um, to run ads and to get creative out there with that, with keeping it fresh and then also getting the data that Facebook needs uh, to be able to make a better decision. Yeah, I, I love that leaning into helping Facebook make better decisions for you. And, and, and you mentioned it there, so I'll take that as the open door. But like, you know, you went through the Facebook Ads MBA program, uh, you and you and your team. And I'm just curious, like, what was your experience in the Facebook Ads MBA program? Like, what was that like for you? So to me, it was right. So it's there's a part of it that's tutorial based, right, where it's it's step by step video of like how to do something. But I think more than anything, it's like the ethos. I think the the bigger thing that you offer with the program in general um, is the ethos behind it, right? The understanding. I think of it as more of the you become a fisherman versus learning how to just pick up one fish, right? I feel like our skill set has grown now to be able to fish in different ponds and even the ocean now versus we learned one very specific skill set that taught us one thing and then guess what by the way this program is now obsolete because everything changed right so it's here's the here's the overarching 30,000 foot view of understanding the marketing metrics and the advertising metrics um, and the data and what's actually needed by the platform to be successful versus an individual like get rich quick type of scheme. Um, and that just aligns with the way that we run businesses as well. So it just felt like a very good, like nice fit. Um, and then the the community aspect is too, right? People asking really good questions too. That's another part of it is the, is the community of people who are also in the same mindset and just surrounding yourself with the right people, I think has been a very helpful. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think the uh, you, you touched on a lot of things there that I find a lot of pride in. One is that standardizing these, the, the process, you know, and, and making sure that you've got the support for the thinking. Because I feel like a lot of folks are still trying to figure out, like, what's the right audience? What's the right ad? What's the right format? What's the, They're chasing all of these. I, I was told, you, you can't move mountains by worrying about the pebbles. And I think so many people are skipping and hopping and running past dollar bills to pick up dimes. And, and it's just such a pain to manage things in that way. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, the stability that you get by thinking about things in a bigger way and trying to solve better quality problems. I think that the gift that that gives you is not only the confidence, but also the support to really understand what you should be doing. And, mm -hmm. and with that to the community uh, and just how big it is, I'm curious if you wouldn't mind talking a bit, a bit more about that. I think that's one of the secret weapons as it were of the Facebook ads MBA program, because anybody can have a pre-recorded thing. 
And look, there is pre-recorded stuff. There's documents. There's eBooks. There's live chats. But I think the community there is unlike any other one mm -hmm. that we really ever see. So, do you mind talking a little bit about the Facebook Ads MBA program community and how it's different and unique and value adding for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the most point, the biggest point there that uh, you mentioned is the value adding. Most people ask a question and then they look to take from a group versus to add value, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the, one way of adding value is to, to answer somebody's question. But another way is, hey, I'm seeing results right now. I'm doing these things and this is what um, has worked well for me. And so I think that right, some groups have that aspect of it, but it's very like it's, a, it's an anomaly to actually have a piece where somebody's actually providing value back to you in a real life situation that you actually need. And then they continue to give that type of feedback. So it is, it's more of a close knit group of people. And then there's a group of people who actually have been a step ahead, have been a step behind and are all trying, trying to solve the same type of issue, which is not um, right. No, I don't think anybody else in the program is necessarily solving the issue for clothing stores, but they think and talk in the same way um, that we do. So it's like its own language, right? We've created basically like a, or you've created basically like a, a fandom of like Star Wars, right? There's just certain aspects that we can use or you can talk about if you understand um, that language. And so it's just helped streamline, I think, a lot of the conversations. Um, and like I said, I think the biggest thing is just the value add back and forth. Yeah, I think that value add, the back and forth, the that exchange, what I always try to tell people, and, and I think that you're kind of touching on this too, is there's a lot of communities where you get people that will pop in with something like, oh, I got 5X ROAS, let me tell you how to do it. Well, like, yeah. that's nonsense. That also doesn't matter. That lacks so much context, and I don't care. Yeah. Or they're trying to sell you on something. Or they're asking questions that are either so far above or so far below where you're at. That like the answer to that question is well, first off, everything you're doing is wrong, and, mm -hmm. and like we need to completely change stuff. Like, I, I, not wrong, but just different. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's not. But, mm -hmm. but like the fact that the community that we have has that shared language and that shared culture and that shared ethos, where it's here's the process, right? Here's like nine, ten steps. Mm -hmm. I'm stuck on step four. Can somebody help me with that? Like yeah. that is a, a problem and solution exchange that is, I think, so much more valuable and so much easier for people to extract actionable insight from. That 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 uh, that's just what for me at least feels like sort of the unfair advantage of being in that community plus. The fact that there are experts in their field in so many different things, right? Whether it's creative or copy, clothing or insurance, uh, just business development, uh, so many millions of things. Um, everybody kind of comes A plus at something, but we all have gaps. A and yeah. I love being able to lean on the strengths of so many people in the community that are a lot better than me at a lot of things that I won't even begin to pretend to be the best person in the room. Right. Well, I think something you mentioned there too is the, and, and I actually equate it to uh, whether you love them or hate them, right? Everybody is aware of Dave, Dave Ramsey uh, in, the, in the baby steps, right? So it's like you mentioned, like, here's the 10 steps, right? They have the baby steps. So here's the seven steps. So they, and whether you like it or hate or whatever, the, the method works, right? It's almost a billion dollar company. And I think that's one thing that you're right. Like, we know 
the process within the community and within the program. And so, yeah, if you have a pro you have a problem with step number one, then here's the solutions. And Oh yeah, by the way, there's other been 20 other people who have answered this exact question for step number one that you can go back and reference to, which is uh, just a plethora of knowledge and also just save so much freaking time. Yeah. And, and I mean, the time savings alone, I, I think what we're getting out of this more than anything is, one, there's that great curriculum that helps you work through everything. Mm -hmm. But if you're stumbling along the way, there's an extremely high confidence resource to get you highly actionable insight and answers to important questions quickly in a way where you can also ask for feedback and adapt what you hear to fit what you do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm in a lot of, like if you saw my Slack, it's obnoxious, like how many things I'm in. And, and like these little groups and stuff, like I don't see that anywhere else. And, mm. and I'm not trying to you know talk anything about anybody else, but I love it. And to be fair, like I do go in and answer all the questions, but it's gotten to the point where before I even get to answer the question, half the time it's just like, oh yeah, they got it right. Like that, like everybody's so on top of it that it's this like mm. living organism, and it's and it's fantastic. Um, I, I'm curious from your perspective, I mean, somebody that, that we were chatting in clubhouse and mm -hmm. then a lot of DMS for like three, four months, I feel like five, six months we were chatting back and forth. And, and by the way, I get the answer. I'm always willing to help out. If people have comments, questions, like, it is me. I do respond. Uh, yes. uh, and I'm pretty active there, but I'm curious, like what it was like then to what it's like now, how is the, work-life balance or confidence or ability to deliver or scope of business like what is the everyday differences that yeah. you could really put in to what is you know basically the gifts that you've gotten out of it that are much more than just i went and watched some videos yeah um absolutely so right and i and i also like to give a context here i'm probably maybe like some or maybe i'm an anomaly here right where i get into a um a cycle of just trying to obtain so much knowledge, right? But knowledge without action absolutely means nothing. And actual action is really where like the rubber meets the pavement at that point. So I just want to clarify that and say like, I've consumed, you know, probably a hundred thousand dollars worth of, uh, of content uh, and courses and programs and things just like probably many other people have. But the one thing, like I said, uh, I mentioned earlier is that it gave a new ethos, right? So I feel like, okay, I've spent, you know, a decent amount of money on Facebook ads and whatever else. And I've had a certain level of success, but I've, I, I got to a point where like there needed another level. And so that next level, what it did was not just tell me how to understand a system and how to understand how our team can understand a system, but how can we do it more efficiently? Right. It, I, it's kind of like the, you know, the electrician who comes in and they, and they spend five seconds five seconds fixing an issue and you're like, look, I spent two hours on this and you're going to charge me $200 to do this. Uh, why did it charge? Why did it cost so much? It's because you needed me for that five seconds. And so that's really where we're at with the ad space is we have to, we charge a premium for the service. And then, like I said, we built a program for people who can't pay that premium. Um, but we can charge that because the results are there and we do it more efficiently. So long answer short is like we spend less time in the ads manager which allows us to create better creative, which is honestly what I enjoy the most, what our team enjoys the most, um, testing out new things, right? So testing TikTok on Facebook, testing uh, different types of TikToks, testing different types of Instagram reels, 
um, testing different lines of copy? Do we really start to get into messaging and psychology and we can start to get into what really moves the needle versus like Facebook handling it all? It's like Facebook's just a traffic source. And I look at that now is this is a traffic source. And if I have really crappy ads, it's going to deliver at a, to less people than if I have great ads. So if we can figure out the system, which we have through the program, and we spend less time in ads manager, then we literally can just start creating better content and we can, our, our clients and customers can beat out the competition because everybody else is playing a different game. Yeah, man. I think you said that so well, the, the ability to beat out your competition because you're playing the better game. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that's brilliant the way that you phrase that. And I totally agree. Like, especially with the space where, what didn't what what kind of worked before but you weren't supposed to do now right. doesn't work at all yep and i see every single day people saying stuff like well how are you supposed to deal with the fact that cpms have gone up 50 80 100 i'm like well mine have gone down right same or like how do you deal with the fact that like you know interest groups are like this and, and ads just add fatigue and all that i'm like well my ads don't fatigue I, i've got plenty of ads i spent hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars I'm like, well, you're just lucky with your high spending accounts. Like, well, I mean, I'm dealing with people that are spending 50 bucks a day. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's, you can win if you play the game properly. And I just feel like there's so many people for one reason or another that, that have embraced a style of thinking and a problem solving that doesn't cover the right priorities. I, I would say this, and I don't know if you agree, but my number one priority when running Facebook ads, I guess in no particular order, my, my number one tier priorities has three parts. Number one, I wanna make sure that what I'm doing ultimately amplifies the successful business model mm. of the brand. What are you all doing really well? How are you monetizing attention? And what can I do with Facebook to amplify that? Number two, what can I do to better align my marketing efforts with Facebook's business model so that we are simpatico as partners when they are selling me inventory and eyeballs for profit? Mm -hmm. And I think number three, how do I do that in a way that is sustainable and scalable? Uh, and I just feel like, I don't know about you, but for me, that feels like maybe 5% of the people that I talk to that's how they think about solving it. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I want to, so to step back to the CPNs, I just looked it up for me because I was curious. So last seven days, and obviously recording this in October, last seven days was just $15. And then before that was a little bit less than that. So our CPMs, at least in my opinion, are pretty dang good. Um, we were seeing $10, $9 in the summer, which was insane. Um, even one of our clients had $8 for the month of July, which I know is a little bit lower, but so that uh, CPMs have been the same. And actually they were more for us in 2020 than they are now. Um, so anyway, but as far as um, go back to your, to your question, I was, I was thinking about the CPMs thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the point of it, like the three things that I'm prioritizing, which I feel like is just wildly different than how other people are playing the game. Okay. Right, to your part about playing the game differently is, is aligning my efforts to amplify the business model. How does this brand or business monetize attention? 
And then yeah. how do we use Facebook to amplify the ability for them to do that? Number yeah. two, how do I make sure that what I'm doing on a daily basis more aligns my marketing efforts with Facebook's business model so that we can become good business partners so mm -hmm. that I get higher quality inventory and lower costs. And I can reach more people for cheaper that are higher. I can get a higher volume of higher quality folks to see my brand. And then the third thing is, how do I do that in a way that reduces my workload so that I can spend more time trying to solve higher quality problems like landing page optimization and inventory and cash flow and all of these other things. So like, that's how I'm playing it. And, and that's sort of the question of, is that how you're seeing it? Or how are you seeing other folks? Because for me, that represents maybe 5% of the people that I talk to. Yeah. Um, yeah. 5% sounds very uh, liberal in, the, in, the, in that statement um, because <laughs> most of the people that I talk to believe that Facebook is their savior because Facebook was really good at running business models for a very long period of time. So it was like, nobody trusted Facebook. Nobody trusted Facebook. Nobody trusted Facebook. And then, Oh, Facebook, by the way, will absolutely blow up your business. And then, right? They didn't have a good business model and then they blame Facebook for that. So it's, it's like a, you got, I got a lot of people on both sides of the spectrum, like Facebook doesn't work. And Hey, I had, you know, I made everything work before. And so there, there's both sides of it, but most people that I talk to, they believed that Facebook was their issue. Um, and so it's just a constant conversation of saying like, you have to have a very good business model and then you have to have a very good product and really good customer service, right? We, we cover like five areas for us, right? You have to have a great website. You have to send traffic to it, which is, you know, predominantly Facebook. We do play around with TikTok and Google, but predominantly Facebook and Instagram. You have to have profit. So we use email and SMS for profit. The fourth piece is customer experience, like your packaging, your shipping, your live selling, all of those things that make up a good customer experience. And then you have organic, right? So testing out creatives, influencers, um, and then just actually like Google ranking, like all of those things make up a business, right? And I think that a lot of people within the last 10 years, right? I'm just talking at this point because uh, this is not my first business, but in the last 10 years uh, have created businesses on the back of social media and believe that that's a business model versus going back to the principles of business, which is like literally make sure that you have something of value to give to a customer in the free market. And if you add value to them, guess what they're going to purchase. And that's a business model. And so that's the education that I have to do. And that's what, like when we teach our clothing store owners, like we talk about Facebook ads, but it's like, it's probably 20%. It's probably 60% of the questions, but it's only 20%. And I'm like, look, your ads, they're good. They're profitable. The problem is you have a returning customer rate of 5%. That is not a good business model. We have got yeah, to get more good. people. So that okay. that is our conversation, like day in and day out, literally live chat going through that. I, that's that's dead on. Like like looking at looking at the business model of the brands and and how that stuff works. I think is just so vital. I when I talk to people about the concept of PSM, right? And profitable scaling margin, which is, for those who don't know, that is how you scale a brand. It is the lifetime value divided by the sum of cost per acquisition and the cogs. And that's not client acquisition costs because you might have to make multiple sales. Mm -hmm. And the cogs, maybe they buy multiple products. So you have to add up the cost as things evolve. 
but understanding basically what is the profit margin per customer on their lifetime journey, which sets you up for planning for and, and uh, forecasting future revenue. Like that's how you scale a business. Mm -hmm. That's how you really make things work. And folks that are so hell bent on, well, my LTV is basically the average order value of my first purchase. Yeah. When I talk to people, I'm like, you don't, you have a problem. You have maybe, maybe what you have is good for retail, but you, you don't have a direct consumer business. Like a direct consumer business relies on LTV because the reason that somebody's going direct consumer is because you are solving a problem for that customer in a way that retail brands won't. Mm -hmm. And you're developing a relationship that you can monetize. And if your brand is has, has a 5% return rate, of like a customer coming back. Yeah. That is that is brutal. Like like you're going to live and die by the money you make today. And the money you make today has no implication on the money you might make tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And there's no way you can plan for 90 days from now if you can't know what you're going to see tomorrow. Right? Like that just doesn't work. So like I I I love that you brought that up and I'm curious like how are you speaking to folks about that? Um, so my personality is a little bit more bullish um, about it than, than not because, right, um, my personal, like something that I journal about, something that I'm very passionate about since right a kid, right? I started my first business when I was nine and ran it until I was 18 um, and then had a business in college, right? My whole, I feel like my whole purpose for life is to help friends and family and people that I'm acquainted with, like, um, if they want to be an entrepreneur or find a way to make that possible. And so I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, look, to be in business, right, to enjoy this this journey that I think we've glorified, right? Everybody believes that the entrepreneurial journey is like so glamorous, right? But they don't realize that it's a roller coaster, right? There are highs and lows. But for you to be able to stay on the roller coaster, right, you have to stay in business. And so I am a little bit more bullish about telling them like, hey, look, this profit margin isn't going to work, right? You're going to get yourself through Christmas, right? But your number one goal in business is to stay in business. Rule number two is to, is to see rule number one. That's the only rule in business is to stay in business. Because as long as you can play the game, you will find a way to win. But you have to stay in the game to play. And so the way that I approach it is very much the way that I am right now is, is hopefully a little bit more passionate about it and explaining to them um, something I've learned and I can't give the credit to, which is that there's five ones to, to starting and growing a business. And then those five ones are attributed to a business model and attributed to taking care of the customers and everything else just kind of makes sense, right? It's, so it's one audience, right? With one offer, one platform that you can dominate on to where your audience is at. One message, what is that clear message, your culture, your, your subculture, your community? Um, and you do that for one year. If you do that, it lays the groundwork for success. And so I've seen it happen so many times where people are successful doing that model that it gives me the confidence to tell more people like, look, put yourself, put your head down for the next 12 months, focus on these areas and use Facebook as a tool because you got probably kids, you're married, you got pets, you have all these other stresses, health, whatever else going on in your business, employees, you cannot afford to spend 20 hours of your week frustrated with a platform like Facebook when that deteriorates your life literally and you can't stay in business because you won't ever figure out the model and get off of the merit ground. So I am a little yeah. bit more passionate about it because I'm, I'm from an outside looking in, but um, that's just kind of my approach. Uh, 
I totally agree. And I, I think for a lot of those folks, 20 hours, they, they'd be, they'd be, they'd be, they'd consider themselves lucky if they only had to spend <laughs> 20 hours doing it that. And for context, like what it looks like now, I, I'm just curious before we get too off topic, but just really quick, like I'm managing a brand where we spend, I mean, we did 2 million in revenue last month. In January, we did 200,000. So 10X from January to September. Wow. I spent a good 90 minutes a week on it. Like, what is your workload on an account that is actively managed and scaling? Like, not to undermine, like, the level of work that you're doing, but yeah. what, is it, what does that workload look like actively in the platform yeah. to manage a business versus what it used to be, where 20 hours a week was lucky if that's all you had to spend? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, the... Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the, the time because 70, 80% of it is spent on the creative, the messaging, everything else. I would guess an hour, two hours a week on a platform, on, a, on a, an account that's spending close to $2,000 a day um, is probably our largest amount of time that we spend on a client. And that's honestly because the client understands ads a little bit and did really well in 2020. And so they just, we do a lot of educating back and forth and we probably wouldn't be spending that much. Um, but yeah, it's a couple hours a week on that. Um, and that's, I think to give context, I think where you were going with this is there's time spent other elsewhere, making the business grow that adds leverage in the business model to, to continue to scale. It's just the pulling the, pulling the levers inside of Facebook and understanding those metrics is, is a small period of time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's definitely where I was going. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a retired Facebook ads day trader. Right, like it used to be, I'm gonna run ABO until these ad sets run out. I'm gonna run interest groups and lookalikes and retargeting until I hit fatigue. And I mean, I used to know that like I could fill up a giant cold. We had like the cold brew tap in the office, right? And I could fill up like a like a jug, and by force of will, I could produce an extra like five, ten k in revenue that day for businesses doing like a hundred k a day. Like I knew I could get a five ten percent lift in business if I just grin and bear it. Right. Um, and, and now I could five x that output by working less. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you're finding a better way to work less. It's actually that working less is the better choice because you're letting Facebook get smarter and smarter. Like mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree with this ethos. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it, but I always think. You can't be terribly successful if you have to micromanage all of your employees. And if you can set the machine up to work without you, then you can figure out better work for the machine to do. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just stuck, you know, on, on the on the rat on the wheel, hamster wheel, just kind of spinning, you know, spinning in place, and that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Well, I think um, I don't know where I've read it or, or seen it, but it's like, um, right, we're probably better off managing ourselves personally, like the account. But to your point of like delegating it, right, I don't need them to operate at 100 percent of what I do. Right. Because if I have Facebook, right, it's going to operate at 70, 80 percent of whatever it's going to do. And if I hire somebody to manage that, right, they can maybe operate at 70, 80 percent of what I do. But if we have two people now I have 160 percent of what I could do, they see things that I do not Plat Facebook works while I sleep. Literally, the platform does is why I sleep. So it's now using the tools and assets. And I used to be under the impression of like, no, like I have to guard this. I need to make sure that I'm the one here. Because if I 
if I make it seem like it's that easy, right, then the clients or somebody's not going to pay me. But really, at the end of the day, and this is just for anybody, I guess, at this point, is like, if the results are there, right, nobody has ever fired a client unless they've done something malicious or whatever else, because the results weren't there. It ultimately comes down to if you're helping them grow their business in a profitable way, they're going to keep you on or they may let you go because they do it in-house or whatever or something like that. But for the most part, you are not getting let go because you're producing the results. So as long as you're producing the results, they don't really care how long you're spending in it. Because if you, I mean, you 10x their account, I don't think they care that you spent 90 minutes in the account that week. They care that they just 10x their business in the last 10 months. Yeah, like if I were to drop my car off to get repaired and they're like, okay, it's going to be ready in two days. Do I care if they spend 30 minutes a day or if they had people working in shifts the entire way to get it done? If, it, if, if I'm happy with the price and I'm happy with the outcome, I don't care how you got the job done. No, exactly. And, and, and like if I, if I get it out and it's better, faster, stronger, whatever it is, like that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to that point, like – I think what you talked about and a lot of other folks have gone through the program, through the Facebook Ads MBA program, you've been able to get your heads out of like the management and do more of the ads and do more of the management of that business model and making it so that, well, we're now stabilized the traffic source. We're improving the volume and the quality of it. Mm -hmm. Now let's use this stability to go figure out some other bottleneck further down the customer journey, be it conversion rate or second purchase rate or LTV or whatever it is so that we can massively amplify the business. Like you can make a, maybe you scale the brand 10% and spend today, or you improve the second purchase rate by 10%. Mm -hmm. One of those things is tremendously more important than the other. Yes. You know, and if you ask a Facebook media buyer, can you 10x my spend today? Great. And then the campaign's done and then I have to start all over or and like, okay, well, ultimately we, we grew the camp the account by 50%. 50% spend versus a 10% conversion rate lift. I'll take the 10% all day. Yeah. That, that returning customer from 5% to 15, I'll take that all day. Yep. I'll take a worse CPA on Facebook at a higher spend, if I can triple my uh, returning customer rate by just adding, you know, a, a one to it. Yeah. That's so much more important. Yeah. I was, I was going to say is like uh, Dan Kennedy said it, I think the best, right? And I, I try to use this a lot is those who can spend the most to acquire a customer or know their numbers the most, the bet, the best, right? Like will always win. So if I have to be profitable in 30 days, right, I'm going to be able to beat out anybody who has to be profitable day one. But if I can be profitable in 90 days and know that, you know, I got an average order value of $100, but I'm going to make 600 in six months. And I know that the rest of that $500 is going to be profitable. Then I'm going to beat out every single other person because I'll spend up to $100. I'll spend up to $200 and you can't spend it. You cannot spend me to acquire them because they're going to be pulling out of the gate at $25, $30. So it's like, I can literally outspend you not because I have more money, but because I know my numbers better. And so yeah. that's really the fun game to get into. It's honestly, it's kind of a difficult, hard conversation to have with clients and, and understanding it. But uh, for this example, it's, it's, that's what we're going through a lot right now is like, do we either scale or we do we add profitability, right? Because we can't do both simultaneously. Um, I know some people believe that and you, you may have a different opinion, but to me, um, I can't, 
be truly scaling and focusing on maximizing profit at the exact same time. There is a there's an ebb and flow, but true scale um, gets rid of profit because that's what we're doing is reinvesting to actually scale. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, I think there are folks that try to touch both sides. And you can't do it either way. Because honest, ultimately, I look at it as an algebra equation. If you're adding and if you're changing variables on both sides of the equal sign, mm-hmm. like you're never going to get to an answer. But if I can isolate, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to improve conversion rate for the purpose of this conversation. Or I'm going to improve that second purchase rate. Great. Mm-hmm. If I start also changing the types of customers that I'm getting by changing my ads and changing all this other stuff, now all of the work that I'm doing is completely out the window because I'm trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist for us for a landscape that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and also to the point of just sheer economics, if you want to scale budget against future revenue, great. I mean, I'm doing that. You know, you can kind of tap into fractional banking, right? But you can't do that at the same time that you're, it's difficult to do that at the same time. They're also improving profit margin on everything because yeah. as you increase spend, inherently you're asking your ads to do more work. Your efficiencies will probably come down a little bit. Now it's not linear, or if you right. add 10,000 in spend, you're probably going to get at least one extra sale. So yeah. it, like the curve isn't just a line, right? right? Uh, but prioritizing one of those things versus something else means you get a far more sustainable result with either one. And I think it becomes really important, especially for like media buyers and brand managers and CMOs and really anybody watching this could absolutely be any of that. Even if like, you're just like, I can run Facebook ads, like you're actually a CMO. You're just not tapping into your potential. Right. Like if you can figure out which order of those things to prioritize and how best to make an impact, you're going to move mountains. Like maybe the best thing is, I just want to be able to spend 5% more a week on my Facebook ads at this CPA with roughly this type of ad unit. Mm-hmm. If I can do that, I'm driving more and more volume into my sales funnel. All of those people are basically hitting a very similar, if not exactly the same type of bottleneck. And I can tell my client or the brand like, hey, I'm going to continue to drive more and more people into this bottleneck. If we can work together to make that go from five percent to ten we're going to double numbers overnight yep like you can't double numbers overnight in a sustainable fashion at the supply side with just spending more money because it will break but if you make that change functionally executionally in the business it'll last forever and and yeah i just i just love that that's what you're looking at it um you know, there was something else that, you, that, that we talked about before, and I'd love to bring up just before we wrap this thing up and talk of, in our conversation. But the, I think it's sometimes a red herring when it comes to managing Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of different varying views, and I'd love to know sort of like what your thoughts are on it. But I'll, I'll set the table and then just kind of let you run with it. But okay. tell me your thoughts on the attribution model. And what you're what you're going with there? So yeah, I mean we've we've been mixed, right? So there's the the one day click, one day view, seven day click, one day view, um, and just trying to go back and forth, right? I know they're not only attribution models but optimization models or windows as well. So 
in my mind, right, that what we've been doing is one day click, one day view because I'm in a fast fashion world or a slow fashion or clothing stores, right? We're looking for people to buy shoes or, or dresses or T-shirts that day. And so it's like, why not tell Facebook to optimize for that day? Um, however, we've ran into the issue or just the, you know, we've gotten to a point now where like uh, it's, it's done very well. Like our cost per purchase is insanely good. But um, I'm just like, okay, is that... Are we, if we're getting enough purchase throughout the week, do we just continue to stay at the one day click and one day view? Facebook's, you know, 60% of where we're driving revenue, 70% of driving revenue. Some people are like 90%. Um, and we're doing some stuff with TikTok and Google, but it's predominantly Facebook and Instagram. So we're like, it's okay, it's one platform. So does it really matter if we get that sale that day, if we know that a seven day click, one day view will actually, you know, inflate numbers and they're going to look better? but it will give more data back to Facebook and then ultimately generate more sales. So we've been, you know, what's right, what's wrong. And I don't know if there's necessarily a one's right, one's wrong, but everything that we do have set up right now is a one day click one day view um, for everybody who's spending of significance to generate enough to get out of any type of learning phase through Facebook. Um, but at the same time, I just don't know if we go back to the, to the seven day we've tested seven day before, our numbers are inflated. Facebook has the wrong things. Um, and so, but it gives more data back to them. So, I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. I, I go back to it. I feel like in the last two years, I've, I've been like more data, no better attribution or better uh, optimization model. So I don't know. I, I, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a hot button issue. I, I've tend to favor one of two options is honestly sort of where like I swing hyperbolically because as I see it, either you go for the most amount of actionability or the most amount of data, right? Like you get that immediacy or you swing all the way to so volume of data versus quality. Mm -hmm. and, and so that looks like seven day click, one day view or just a one day click. And I think it really depends on where the business is at and what the needs are. And I kind of look at it like a curve, like, like, a, like, a, like a trend line with like some of a bump and you can kind of go over the hump and you come back down. In ramping up, I really like the seven day click one day view because you need as much information as possible just to get out of learning, stay, get results, get information, whatever it is. I want Facebook to see everything because it can at least see who's buying and find me more people that are like that. Whether or not they're buying from Facebook, I just need as much data as I can. Mm-hmm. Then eventually the business gets so strong, you can go to that one day only option because you're just trying to capitalize on today's intent. And I feel like that'll get you to, you know, that, that can get you to the next level of maturity. At some point, what I've found is as brands, you can kind of go over the hump and kind of come back down to a place where Facebook is a beginning is kind of the bolt on to the business and that initial seven day click one day view where you're trying to scale the business on the back of Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. And at some point, Facebook is like 89% of the, of the revenue that you're making is coming directly off of that Facebook ad you're running today. What I try to get to businesses with is how do we make less and less a percentage of our overall revenue directly dependent on Facebook ads? So more email and search and SMS and customer journey and returning customers and all of that. Mm -hmm. 
when I round that curve out so that I'm now sitting at Facebook instead of 90% is like 45 or 50. Now maybe yeah. I'm still 10 X my spend from where I started, mm -hmm. but now Facebook is more of that business amplification instead of a direct revenue source. I kind of come back to the seven day click one day view because I'm using it more to say, I don't care where that sale comes from. I'm just trying to make sure I get as much information in the machine to drive the highest volume and quality of people into the machine that I know makes money. Yeah. Cause I'm less reliant on a ROAS than I am on a profitable customer journey. And I find it's sort of in that, that that's kind of the life cycle. It's seven day click one day view down to a one day and then back to the seven day one day is sort of like how I see things. I, I don't know if, if you notice anything similar or if that kind of tracks with your experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is. Um, it, that is kind of what we've, we've told people from the beginning is like, you, you're just literally started your own ads account and you're starting ads. Like, yeah, definitely do seven day click, one day view, get as much data as possible. And then we've switched to like, you know, if we're spending anywhere above five or $600, we're doing one day click, one day view. Um, I don't know if, I guess I got two questions from that. Do you think I should just do the one day click or you, the one day click one day view is like keep that or, or get rid of the view part? I think it, I think I was, I'm, I've always been a purist on the one day click if I can do it. Okay. Like if I can get away with the one day click, I'll do it. I find that I'm a bit more maybe binary and that like, I'm either going to do the seven day click one day view or just the one day click. Hmm. Uh, the one day click and one day view, I find that if I'm going to add in the view where I'm probably going to get 20, 30% more data, maybe 40, 50% more data going from the one to seven is usually a smaller change than the click to the click and view. Got it. Okay. And so if I'm going to make that switch, I'm just going to go all the way. Um, but again, there's, you know, uh, the concept of, is this more of an impulsive buy? Is this more of a, I've got enough people in the market right now? Like in fast fashion, for instance, people are looking for the product. That, like if they're, if they're motivated, they're not, I think fast fashion is a shorter decision cycle than sure. like, a, you know, than something else. Like when I make fast fashion purchases, I, for instance, like I zoom in like, that's cool. I'm going to get in it. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm not waiting around and like kind of deciding, you know what I'm saying? Like fast fashion is also a fast decision. Kind of, It's like the gum at the counter. Yeah. Right. Uh, and in those cases, that seven day, like, I don't know if that's going to really help. Um, but if I know that I'm getting more stuff from email, more stuff from search and, and just other channels, the more I'm relying on other channels, the less I need that one day immediacy. Yeah. From, from that then. Um, so this is the, the only reason this has been brought up because it, it really it's uh it's one of those things with the clients when they come to us, right. They want to use Facebook as an acquisition only tool, which is almost impossible. You can't, I mean, Facebook, if it's good, unless you tell it not to do something um, it, it is going to get, in, in front of other people um, who may have purchased before. But what would you do in that situation where the client's like, look, I'm looking for a very specific platform to be very specific on acquisition only. 
so that they can figure out the parameters there because our cost per purchase, which is what we have scaled off of, um, we've scaled off of like cost per acquisition, cost per purchase. What is that number that we are profitable at and scale from that period as long as it's within a range. But the customer cares about what is my customer acquisition cost within Facebook. And I don't know if there's a way that you would approach that if I'm only caring about acquisition with Facebook, how would I set that up if, if anything differently or just tell the client like, look, no, let's not do that. Yeah. I mean, I think one, I'm going to have the conversation with the client to really understand. And I can see two or three in my experience of had them had two or three reasons, two or three clients were like, that made sense mm -hmm. where they had something that really worked and their business, their decision was in one case to bolt Facebook onto their existing business that was solid. For instance, maybe they're a Amazon store or they're excellent at influencer marketing or something else. And they're like, I already have something that works. I got a lot of affiliates running, something else like that. I need Facebook to be purely incremental to what I'm doing. I need it to exist in its own right. Okay. Uh, that's, a, that's a situation where we've made the decision that Facebook is five or 10% of the existing business. Uh, I, I work with a SaaS company that like 98% of their traffic was SEO. I, I mean, they, to be fair, they had like 5 million uniques. They were just running Facebook to be a little bit less reliant and kind of juice their SEO numbers. Cool. That's what we're doing. Got it. Mm. Um, I also see some situations where people are very convinced. And we'll go through all those other examples, but just to kind of touch on another base, I see some people, people are very convinced that, well, if I make a sale, that's a customer. And they're convinced like, well, that like, I don't need to pay to acquire the customer twice. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that there are actually very few businesses where that makes that legitimately makes sense because if you if your retention rate is like 50% of people buy again, okay, got it. Absolutely. But if your business is like, well, 10% of people buy again, most people don't. 5% of people buy again. Most people don't. I'm not paying to reach another customer or paying to reach an existing customer a second time. I think there's this false storyline that our customers only buy from us once. Yeah. And for me, it sounds like, well, maybe the reason they only buy from you once is because you don't ever try to sell to them again. Right. And would it be better for you to more efficiently sell this person a second time than to get a complete stranger to buy from you the first? Side note to that question, which really means my last point is, why are they only buying from you once? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with your business? And I don't think people really look at that in that way. So I guess my point to that is when folks come to me and say, I want Facebook to be purely acquisition, only first time purchase, you can obviously exclude existing customers. Uh, you, you're never going to get that exactly right. I, you can upload buyer lists that are fairly dynamic from your Shopify. Basically, take your cash register and say, if I've ever run this credit card, never show my ad to that person again. Um, but I don't know that. I, I think the amount of situations where that's the right idea is exceedingly outnumbered by the time where that's somebody's best thinking, but actually the wrong path forward for their business. Yeah. 
Um, so executionally, yeah, just take your cash register and basically make sure anybody that's ever run before can't see an ad again. But I really want to know from them, like, are we certain that we want to invest heavily and never getting an easy sale? Yeah. And why is that? Yeah. To give context, right? So I think this is, this is helpful because it's a unique situation. So there's live social selling, which is like QVC for the, for the internet or for your, for, for your phone rather. And so it is a lifetime value machine. So thinking of your cash register, it increases lifetime value. And I don't know the percentage, but let's just say it's 40, 50% boost because it's insane. And so their thought is if they come into our ecosystem and then they fall in love with us through live selling, because live selling in in our opinion too, is the best thing since brick and mortar um, that you can do online, right? So I can walk you through and I can talk you through this t-shirt and and the quality of it's hundred percent organic cotton. It's made in Turkey. It's the highest, finest materials and like why you should wear it, blah, blah, blah they fall in love with the person and they come back for that person. And so they're saying our retention and our lifetime value of a customer is obtained through that live social selling, not through getting them to come back and purchase in the, in the traditional direct to consumer, like website marketing world. And so that's why they're coming to us with it. And they're like, look, we're good at live selling. If somebody comes in, I have an 80% retention rate year over year. And my lifetime value is, you know, $2,000. I just need more customers. I need more people in the funnel. And so that's why they're coming to us with it. And it's unique. It's very new, um, except for in China. It's actually very popular in China. But other than, I mean, it's very new in the US. And so that's kind of the the nuance that we're running into. Yeah, I, 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 I love that kind of stuff. And I've been seeing a lot more of it. And to be fair, Years ago, I used to do uh, Facebook Lives with a comment to opt in, like chatbot, CRM growth thing to get the, the drops, and like it was tremendous. And I think in this situation, I would maybe agree with it because the retention rate is so high and the repurchase rate is so high and your ability to sale. So at that point, Facebook is a lead gen platform. It's not a sales platform. Really the purpose of Facebook in that case is I'm not interested about making sales. I want to make that live selling 10 times bigger. Right? Cause that's the fulcrum point of how that business model operates. Like that's how they make money. So if they're getting a thousand viewers, how can I get 5,000? How can I get 10? So if my Facebook ad is designed to effectively to in one way or another, massively ramp up the force multiply the efforts of how that business is most successful. I think in that way, maybe I make a sale for 50 bucks yeah. or I get an extra 200 people to show up to the live. Yeah. Do I think that that extra, maybe it's 50 people, maybe it's, you know, a dollar per lead or whatever. I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there. Who knows? Right. Right. Say it's yeah. 20 people. Can you convert one out of 20 people for sure with your yeah. live selling? If you convert two, it's probably way better than what I could do. Yeah. So my job is to make sure, let me get you a thousand people for that live. If you're only getting a hundred, like what does that look like? And obviously as you scale it, the conversion rate is probably going to go down. Right. But if the volume is higher, that's, that's kind of how I would look at it is, and that model, Facebook, isn't a purchase driving machine. And what we talked about very early on, it kind of you almost bring it full circle about how to look at Facebook ads. 
It is, how is the business making money? We run this live selling. Great. So Facebook isn't there. Like, so it's like, okay, we make money doing live selling. Cool. Can you run Facebook ads to sell a product? Hmm. Well, my response is, well, might be, well, no. I mean, I can, but what if I could 2X or 5X the amount of people that show up to your live selling? Yeah. Because the likelihood of you monetizing that customer experience much greater than just a transaction through a Facebook ad is probably a lot better. Yeah. And also I'm not creating other issues where now you're getting a lot of traffic to a site where you've got to work on the conversion rate optimization. I'm making all of these other workflows that you got to manage. Like if you got a golden goose, let me just, you know, make it bigger. That that's, that's kind of how I would look at it. And so to that way, maybe it is a, uh, you know, maybe it, one thing that I, some of the stuff that I've done there is like, maybe it is a seven day click one day view where I am, I've got a Clavio form and when it's completed, that's considered a conversion. Yeah. So I'm running a conversion campaign to that Clavio form being filled out. Mm. Right. And then it's just like, I don't care how anybody gets it, but just everybody that fills that out, I want Facebook to see that. And my sole job is to make sure the next product drop that next QVC uh, airing is more popular. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a very good idea. Because then maybe they don't make the sale on the first one, but if they watch like the fourth, yeah, great. And then I just figure out what's the value of a lead. And I'll bet you the value of the lead, the multiple on the value for the lead against the cost is probably higher than the multiple of the LTV against the CPA. Does that make sense? Like it, it, is. it might cost me $5 to get the lead and that person is worth 12 in aggregate mm -hmm. versus it cost me 50 bucks to sell something that is worth 60. Mm -hmm. Right. One, one is a two and a half X multiple versus, or whatever it is versus uh, like a 10%, yeah. 20%. So I don't know. That's the way I would look at it. Cause I think it's trying to make sure you're using the machine to solve the right type of problem. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. We don't have to continue on, but it's, it's a good um, I think perspective to look at too, because then right. The, you get into human emotion of like, okay, now I must go live to generate the sales, which requires time versus a traditional direct to consumer model, which is that I make money, quote unquote, I make money while I sleep. And so now it becomes the, where's the weight of time and leverage and scalability with profitability and, you know, ad spend. So it's a, it's an ebb and flow, right? So you asked the question in the beginning of the conversation, what are the things that we're battling right now? That's really the biggest one is, uh, is, is where is the percentage of business growth between those two areas? And then how do we even it out based off of the individual client's perspective of how much time they actually want to spend on the platform? Yeah. And I think that's a great place to leave it off because that's a much better quality problem than most people are having, which is yeah. what audience should I be spending my ads on, which is, this isn't 2016 anymore. Please stop thinking about it that way. There is a better way. Um, Aaron, I really appreciate it. I, 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 I thank you for your time. Um, I, I love you. to, you know, kind of just say thanks and give you the last word. If there's anything you want to promote, any website, anything that you'd like, you know, to drop, just, I'll leave it with you and to anybody else say thank you. And I appreciate everybody's time as well as yours. And uh, I'll leave you to kind of take us out with what, uh, whatever it is you'd like to uh, make sure people know about. Nice. So I'm actually running for uh, for political office. So make sure to vote for me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
Yeah, I think the best way to, to check us out, guys, is uh, just go to betbranding.co um, and you'll find everything there. We have a YouTube channel that we talk on specifically for clothing stores and how to help them grow. My business partner talks a lot on Shopify, so if that's for you. And then we have a podcast that helps people as well. And Charlie was actually a guest um, on there in a super popular episode. So um, check out the podcast episode where he talks um, on that as well. But thank you so much for the time, Charlie. It was, it was a ton of fun. Um, that is the correct link. That's perfect. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you, man. Until next time, I'll see you guys later. And uh, Aaron, I, I love working with you and with Ryan. Uh, you guys are great. Uh, if you guys have any clothing business or stuff, you should definitely go chat with them because these guys know what the hell they're doing. Uh, best of luck to you. Enjoy the afternoon. Thank you so much, man. It's great to chat with you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.